and amen. I, I trust that you have, yes, you may be seated. I trust that you have the word with you today. So I want to invite you to turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We're going to pick up at verse 6 where we left off from last Sunday. And we're going to pick up there at verse 6 and read down through verse 11. And remember what we're doing, it's not a, a series of expositional messages um, you know, uh, looking at uh, maybe each verse, but we're in a series that really takes a section of Scripture and, and pulls out an idea, and then we kind of focus on that idea and ask the Holy Spirit, you know, Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you wanting to say, you know, to my heart today? And so I invite you to look at this passage in that way, and, and I, I want to say right off the bat that um, when we look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, you know, there is an idea that comes to my mind, and that is abbreviated with this acronym that I have up here, and that is EOF. And you say, well, pastor, what is EOF? EOF stands for eyes of faith, having eyes of faith. And so there's just something about the passage. Now, bear with me here. This is key right in the beginning. There's something about this passage that draws our attention to the idea that there is quite a lot happening through the eyes of the disciples. And, and, and the disciples are, are seeing quite a lot. And we see that in this passage here. And you know, we're in the midst of, of God building our faith. And he's building our faith by lifting our expectations. I mean, we've said that now for a couple Sundays. That God, in that right, John, that God is lifting our expectations. And so I'm coming to church on Sunday morning with a little bit higher expectations than I used to have. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm coming to church as. I am coming here expecting, amen, that God is going to build my faith that God is going to do something, that God is going to say something to Tony Miller. And I trust that you've come into the sanctuary just the very same way. You've come here this morning prepared to hear what it is that God has to say to you. And so I invite you just to follow along as we look at the Word of God together this morning. So let's go to Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin there in verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now remember, last week we spoke about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that not only helps us in our spiritual walk, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we come together. That, that by the power of the Spirit that we become one and as a church, as a congregation, that we are unified, amen, that we are brought together by the power of the Holy Spirit, not because of, you know, our plan or not because of some, you know, something that one individual's doing or the pastor's doing, but it's by the power of the Spirit that we become one and that we are unified for God's glory. Now, let's continue on there in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. So, to be a witness to something means that we, we've... We've experienced it, that, that we are, are a part of this thing, and this thing is Jesus Christ. So we know Christ. We've witnessed, we've experienced Jesus Christ, church. And so we become witnesses, and it says here, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, Judea <clears throat> excuse me, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when, he suddenly, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has, taken, 
has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let us pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, uh, Lord, that you, you are speaking today. And, uh, and Lord, I'm just trying to imagine, you know, what it would have been like, you know, to be there. When you showed yourself and you became present, Lord, after your crucifixion and your resurrection and, you know, the impact that it would have had on my life. And I, I believe, Lord, that the, the kind of impact that this had on the disciples' life can still have the very same kind of impact on the life of this congregation today. And so, Father, I pray that you would just uh, speak to that one this morning that needs to hear your voice. I pray, Lord, that you would just guide us and direct us and, and may we hear your truth, Lord, and may you be glorified in that truth. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that your anointing would be upon it as we lift you up as our God and King. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Helen Keller once said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. <laughs> I mean, think about that for a moment. I, I'm trying to imagine, you know, I'm just trying to imagine as I look at this passage, the sights and the sounds and the kind of experience that the disciples must have experienced that what I'm sure was a very emotional day. I, I imagine the anxious desire they must have had to know everything that they could. I mean, to hear what Jesus was saying. I mean, this was Jesus making his appearance after he was crucified and resurrected from the dead. And now he's appearing to the disciples. And, and I'm imagining in my, my, my mind's eye that if I was present there, then at that moment... With the disciples and listening, I, I, I would really want to hear what it was that Jesus was saying. And, and maybe a, a supernatural tension combined with the awe of being in the presence of Christ who is in heavenly body, I mean, was part of the element. But, but just imagine going back to that time and that day when we read it was just after a meal, likely. And, and you can imagine sitting there and the shuffling of the dishes as they were pushing the dishes to the side. And now the sandaled feet and the sandals on the dirt as they were gathering together because Christ had appeared and he was showing himself. And, and you can imagine as they were moving close in to hear what it was that Jesus was, was saying. And I, I imagine it was, it was distinctively different and markably different than other times before Jesus was crucified. And when he was with the disciples and the disciples were clamoring for attention and maybe... Their voices were being, you know, rising and falling because they wanted to get the next word in. But I imagine in my mind's eye in this scenario, it was nothing like those times before Christ was crucified. But in this time when Jesus makes his appearance there to the disciples and Jesus was speaking, I can almost imagine a holy silence. This holy silence because they are wanting to grasp everything that Jesus had to say. And, and I also imagine that, that maybe they, they were using their eyes more than usual, saying that by our eyes we sometimes 
take in more than any of our other senses because I can imagine with their eyes they were they were looking at Jesus and they were listening and, and sometimes you can listen with your eyes. You know how that works. And they were listening with their eyes and, and they see Jesus in his ascension and taken up and, and he sees the cloud. They see the cloud that is covering up the Savior as he ascends there into heaven and maybe from our view, I mean from the view of the world, it, it was the view of the mission that was preparing the disciples for Christ when he would return or maybe it was a view that would require them to have these eyes of faith. And remember, I said EOF, what does it represent? It stands for eyes of faith. And it's possible that during this time, Jesus was preparing them to have these eyes of faith. And I, I just imagine all that the eyes of the disciples must have taken in that day and in the conversation that would follow after the ascension. And then there's the appearance of the angels. In this passage here and the angels make their appearance and and their disciples are taking this in with their eyes. And what I see in this recorded experience of the disciples is that it teaches us in the very same way to have this EOF, these eyes of faith. And you say, well, pastor, tell us about that. What 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 does it mean to have eyes of faith? Well, uh, having eyes of faith sometimes is is recognizing when there is a lack of faith. Let me say it like this. Lacking faith is not always not believing in God. Let me say that again. Lacking in faith is not always not believing in God. It can be expecting God to fix things. In fact, look at verse 6. Let's stay hinged to the scripture this morning, to the passage. We'll go to verse 6 and it mentions this, this question about the kingdom of Israel. And it's the idea that they would you know, have God now fix things and he would fix things things in such a way that Israel would no longer have enemies and everything would be perfect like before the fall with Adam and Eve and there would be no pain and there would be no bills and all of a sudden the world would be perfectly, you know, the way that God intended instead. You can understand the kind of hope that they had in that happening at that time, but that's not what God was doing when his kingdom was coming. You can imagine there was more than that. Jesus was calling them to have spiritualized a time when he knew their faith would be tested and and tested faith means action. This was, this was the eye of understanding that Jesus was calling them to. They had no problem seeing what they wanted to see. But Jesus wanted them to see what their spiritual eyes, to see with their spiritual eyes, so to speak. And the scripture is full of this analogy of, of having spiritual eyes. In fact, the scripture you know, teaches us that, you know, our eyes are the gauge into our soul. They, they give us kind of a, a way to measure what's happening inside of us, you know, from a spiritual perspective when we talk about our eyes. In fact, the Apostle Paul in the book of Visions, he writes, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. And then in Matthew chapter 6, 22, we read, the eye is the lamp of the body. So when your eye is clean, your whole body will be full of light. And then in Matthew chapter 7, uh, we read where the eye is put in the context of being the seat of our, our spiritual condition when talking about, you know, this idea that we see the plank in somebody, you know, or excuse me, you see the speck in somebody else's eye while all along we have a plank, <clears throat> we have a plank in our own eye. So when we talk about eyes, as far as spiritual eyes, it, it would equal a spiritual doorway. So what does eyes, when we talk about spiritual eyes, what does that mean? It equals a spiritual doorway. So the question is, through our eyes, you know, through our, our spiritual eyes, how are we doing spiritually? 
How are we doing spiritually with our spiritual eyes and, and in regards to even our physical eyes? I mean, how are we doing spiritually? It's interesting that through our eyes, temptation wages war against our soul. And it's through our eyes that we are coveting. It's through our eyes that we are looking at things and saying, you know, I want that or they have this and I want that for myself. Or maybe it's someone and they have them and I want them or, or whatever it is. We get caught up in this vacuum of temptation with the, the things that pass through our eyes. And maybe for us, uh, for us guys, it, it's this lust and it's the lust of, of something or this image that is out there. And we are, we are caught up in this lusting and we are wanting something that is not right. And, and so we ask the question, how are we doing with our spiritual eyes? Or maybe it's through our eyes that we're wrestling with jealousy and we are riddled with jealousy and we're looking around and, you know, they have it and we want it and we don't have it. And, and so we just have this temptation that is happening because, you know, because, you know, our spiritual eyes are not where they need to be. Having spiritual eyes means taking action against that what undermines and destroys our faith. Faith in action begins by keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. Amen. And the question is, how are we doing with keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ? You know, how are we doing with our spiritual eyes? And, and so when we ask the question, you know, we talk about EOF, eyes of faith. What does that really mean? And of course, that means we ask the question, you know, where are we lacking in faith? Well, here's the second one. Here's the second observation. Eyes of faith is a faith that trusts God's plan. Eyes of faith is a faith that trusts God's plan. Now, I understand that, that, that God's sovereign and, and, and we do not know everything. I mean, God, I mean, he, he does. He knows everything. He's omniscient. And he's sovereign, and, and so we have to trust God. And, and part of our, our faith experience is learning to trust God in life, and learning to trust God in ministry, and trusting God in love, and trusting God in, in church. And, and that's part of the process, because, you know, God does know, and we are learning how to trust God. That's called faith. That's why God is, what? He's building our faith. And I believe that he's doing that as a church for us, that he is building our faith. Now, let me say this, that God's will is always accompanied by God's power. He, I remember an old phrase that we used to say years ago, he does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. Do you remember that? And so we look at verse 8, let's hinge ourselves or let's hook ourselves to the passage. Go back to the passage, verse 8. We read there, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we spoke about that again last week, that, that there will be this power. And God's plan is always God's mission. And the power is for the mission. The power is for the mission. So God has called us to a mission or God has given us a vision. And it's his power that enables us and helps us with the vision that he gives us, whether it's a vision for our family or vision for the church. You know, maybe the vision that God gives us for our own life. But it, it, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that, that he gives us that helps us, you know, realize that for ourselves. I, I, was, uh, I was delighted when I heard the illustration about uh, Walt Disney. Of course, being in California, we've got Disneyland here and Disney World in Florida. We only lived about an hour from Disney World in Florida. But the, the, the uh, statement or a quote from somebody that was talking about uh, Walt Disney, who, of course, started it all. And 
And Walt Disney, you can imagine, you know, he ended up with a vast empire and so many assets. And, and I mean, it was just huge financially, just a huge empire. And someone once said, you know, just think about if old Walt could see what his empire has become. Well, somebody hearing that person saying that turned to them and said, he did see it. That's why it exists today. <laughs> And if the power of vision, of human vision, can accomplish this vast empire that we're talking about with Walt Disney, I mean, if human vision can accomplish something like that, think about what kind of things can be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we embrace this idea that, that the Holy Spirit gives us this power that we might, you know, accomplish things that otherwise we would say, you know, is impossible. Remember, it was by God's power that he worked through Moses and Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. I mean, they were in bondage for 400 years in slavery. And how many generations is that? 400 years. Think about that. And, and yet it was the power of God that, that Moses spoke with and, and the people were set free. And it's by the power of God that acts had flowed. It was by the power of God that David slew the giant. It was the power of God that coursed through the veins of Samson when he defeated a thousand soldiers. And he was, it was the power of God that enabled Peter to experience what he could see with his spiritual eyes when walking on the water. And it was the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. It's the power of the Spirit of God that brings all of His plans, you know, into order and that we can do what it is that He's called us to do. It's by the power of God that we disciple. It's by the power of God that we plant spiritual seeds. It's the power of God that we even pay our tithe. And we say to ourselves that it's not possible, but with the power of God, it is possible. In fact, what does the scripture say? All things are possible with Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so having eyes of faith is a faith that trusts God's plan. Here's the third idea. The third idea is having eyes of faith is a faith that anticipates. It's a faith that anticipates. And, and that means that this is a faith that takes us it takes us beyond the past. And we learn from the past to understand that, yes, but we must not linger in the past. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. <laughs> and part of having the EOF, now hang with me, part of having EOF is that God is doing a new thing. Amen. That God is doing a new thing at Mission Church of the Nazarene. And, and maybe you're the first in line to say, Lord, I need you to do a new thing in my life. Because, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm just kind of barely making it here, Lord. I need your help. Well, the promise is that God wants to do a new thing. In fact, let's go back to the passage. Let's stay hooked to the passage. We go to verse 9, and we read there that Jesus is taken up. He's taken up. And, and sometimes, I think sometimes we must be taken up. I think sometimes it's good that we might dwell in that higher place and that we're taken up into the presence of the Lord, that we might experience the glory of our Father in heaven. And it's that moment that we're taken up that we remember that God has spoke to our hearts and he's moved our soul. I, I will never forget, and I'm always grateful for my time at church camp as a kid. I, I went to Victory Cove. Uh, Church of the Nazarene Church Camp up in McCall, Idaho as a kid, all through my elementary years, my junior high, my high school years. I even went to summer after my senior year. I went to church camp. And you know what church camp is like? You go, you have a blast, you run around with your friends, they wear you down. Uh, they wear you down by Thursday night, and Thursday night you go to the altar and you have that mountaintop experience, right? 
and we love church camp. And I will never forget my moments at church camp, especially my junior year, the summer after my junior year. And at church camp, I found myself at the altar and, and it was a little bit emotional. I was crying and it was a mountaintop experience and I, I was going up into the presence of God. And it was at that moment that the preacher was talking about sanctification. And I began to grapple with the idea, what does it mean to set my life aside and have a sanctified life for the glory of God? And, and as I wrestled with it, I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, sanctification for me necessarily happened at that moment. But I, I remember the fact that I had gone up to the mountain, so to speak, and I'd gone up into the presence of Jesus and I began to wrestle with the idea, with this idea of what does it mean to stay and set my life aside to serve Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes having EOF, it means that we're willing to go up and allow the Lord to speak to us and to, to move our hearts. You know, to be like John when he went to the Isle of Patmos and received his revelation. In the passage again, go back to the passage. You see what happens here at this point is the two angels, you know, appear. These heavenly beings appear and, and they're a great reminder of, of maybe the process. And notice the process here. The process first, what happens, the disciples, they looked up. They looked up and they got a glimpse of the glory of God in Christ. <laughs> And that, that is key. They looked up and they got a glimpse of the glory of Christ. And I, I'm wondering, when was the last time did you get a glimpse of the glory of Christ? No matter whether you're 8 or 80 years old, hallelujah, we can grasp the glory of God through Christ our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so when was the last time did we get a glimpse of the glory of God in Christ? The second thing, so they look up. What's the second thing? They look outward. It's kind of instructional here. They look outward. And this means that they are looking out into mission. They are, they are looking to, obviously, Christ's return. That is a part of it theologically. But there's no question that they recognize, as they're thinking about Christ's return, they are recognizing that heaven was on its way. And for some of us, heaven is just around the corner in maybe a few weeks. And for some of us, some of us that are younger, like this side of the sanctuary, heaven might be 30 years from now. We have a precious lady in the hospital right now, and she's received a prognosis that she will not be going home, at least her, her physical home. And uh, we are, the pastors are visiting with the couple, the family, and we're praying with her. And, and so for her, what the prognosis is for her is they are saying that probably within this month, she'll be going home. Home. And so they, they notice here that, you see, heaven is on its way. And for some of us, again, it might be really soon for some of us, you know, it might be some time down the road, years down the road, but the fact is, Death is inevitable. And it would be good for us if we have, you know, eyes of faith as we approach that, that, that reality. You know, having eyes of faith. So that we might be what it is that God has called us to be. And to lose those eyes of faith, I mean, to lose a spiritual vision of what God is wanting to do in our life or what God is doing in the life of our congregation. It can be tragic. 
I, as you know, we moved from Florida, and in Florida we have a we have a swimming pool at our house there, and it's just surrounded by tropical plants. And so I spent my day off working in the yard, and we did all kinds of stuff. And 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 I had to cut things back because the tropical plants grow so fast. And and there behind the pool, there's these particular plants. They come up on kind of like a wooden like woodish like a stem about this big round about as big as round as a quarter and and then I take my tools and I cut and chop and all that and then I get working well I'd done that and there was a stem that was coming up out of the ground that was kind of a sharp wooden stem and at the point of the stem the way I'd cut it a couple times it was as sharp as a needle it was as sharp as a needle about this high and I was working another day and I was picking up stuff and I'd cut stuff and I was kind of moving really fast. I was getting into it and I wanted to get done real quick so I could do some other stuff and so I'm kind of jumping up and down and picking up stuff and I went down like this and that wooden stem with that needle-like point on it hit me right in the eye and I felt something right here. It hit my eyeball and I felt something right here and I went like this and it was my contact and my contact had been cut in half. And that wooden stem had that needle point stem had literally cut my contact in half on my eye. And I'm thinking if I did not have that contact on, I might have lost my eye. And losing, you know, vision, man, that would that would be tragic. You know, your physical vision. But losing our spiritual vision. Not having eyes of faith. Man, that's tragic. And, and my heart and my plea this morning is that, that God would speak to us and unite us as a congregation, that we would move together and that we would have spiritual eyes and that we would move together for God's glory with spiritual eyes that God would be lifted up through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I don't know what you're wrestling with. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you've lost your spiritual eyes. And, and maybe having spiritual eyes or eyes of faith is the ability to see others as Christ would see them. To recognize that God created them and, and that they are beautiful no matter who they are. No matter what their background is. No matter what their opinions are. That they are created by God and His image. And everyone is beautiful because God made them. Amen. And maybe spiritual eyes of faith is seeing people as God would see them. Maybe having spiritual eyes of faith is that we would love them as God would love them. And and maybe it's possible having spiritual eyes of faith is having the ability to really see Jesus. And I don't know what what you're dealing with right now or what you're wrestling with. I don't know where you're at is, where you're at on your spiritual journey. But I know this, that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and he came to this world to reach out to his creation and he died on the cross for each one of us. And he loves us and he wants to be a part of your life. And and maybe your eyes of faith, you know, are no longer existing because you forgot that, that it is about Jesus Christ and him crucified and we're being reminded of that. Amen. You see, God's building our faith. He wants to build our faith, but he wants to build our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to invite us this morning just to respond to the Lord today. I want to invite us to respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, give me eyes of faith. And Jesus, I want to ask you to do something in my heart that maybe has not ever happened before. And and I believe that Jesus wants to do that. And I believe that Jesus wants to do something at Mission Church of the Nazarene that he's never done before. Maybe something in your heart that he's never done before. 
by having eyes, by having eyes of faith. I, I remember where Jairus comes to Jesus. Do you remember that? Jairus comes to Jesus and he is the man whose daughter is sick and she's dying and his little girl. And so he comes to Jesus and he asks Jesus that he would come and, and see his daughter and heal his daughter. And do you remember how the story goes, teenagers? What happens is his daughter dies. Jesus goes and sees him any, anyhow, sees her anyhow. And uh, he raises her from the dead, Jairus' daughter. But you know how that happened, how that miracle began? It began because this man was willing to go and ask Jesus for help. He was willing to go and ask Jesus. And I want to invite us this morning as a congregation, I want to invite us to be willing to ask Jesus for help this morning. What does that mean? I mean, what kind of help are you asking for from Jesus today? I don't know what, what, what kind of help you need. I know this, that Jesus loves you. And he wants to be a part of your life. And he wants you to have eyes of faith. And, and maybe we're asking, we're saying, Jesus, would you help us to be unified as the church? Would you help us as a church, Lord, to be on one page and have eyes of faith and that we might move together for your glory, oh God? I believe that God can do that. He can help us if we go and we ask him. Maybe there's something else that you want God to do for you and you need eyes of faith to ask it of him. I want to invite us to stand. And we're going to, we're going to pray here. And uh, as, as we pray, I, I want to invite you to ask. I want to invite you to be so bold as to say, Father... You know, this might seem crazy, but Lord, I need your help. I need your help, Jesus. Give me eyes of faith, Jesus. Help me to have this kind of faith that would bring us together. And Lord Jesus, to, to bring glory to you. Give me eyes of faith, Lord, to, to forgive that person. Because I, I think sometimes we get involved in a kind of a group scenario and we sometimes hurt somebody's feelings or somebody hurts our feelings. And, and then we just kind of allow that, that barrier to be there. And that barrier really is something that's getting between us and God. We think it's between us and them. And it is, but really it's more about between us and God. And we need eyes of faith to be able to humble ourselves and say, Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus, to forgive or help me to offer forgiveness. Jesus, help me have the kind of eyes of faith that would allow us just to be focused, to be focused on you, Jesus. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. And I believe that God will honor that. I believe God will bless that church. I want to invite us to just respond to the Lord, not to the pastor, not to the message, but to the Lord and say, Lord, I need eyes of faith. And we're going to do this different today. Right now, I want to invite us just to come to the altar. You know, a church that prays together, I believe this, a church that prays together stays together. And I'm wondering how well are we doing at the praying part of it, right? How well are we praying together and saying, Lord, I need your help. I need eyes of faith that I might be what it is you've called me to be. So I want to invite us just to come and gather at the altar today as the Holy Spirit leads us before we come to the table. But I want us to pray together. Would you do that? Come and just, just come as the Holy Spirit leads you. And just come and say, Lord, give me eyes of faith. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to get on the page that you want me to be on and that you might be glorified in me. Lord, help me to be loving and help me to be 
all that you you describe for me in the scripture as your Holy Spirit fills me, that the fruit of faith and the fruit of the Spirit might be alive in me. Let's do that. Let's respond right now. And let's just come. I'm not going to have us sing right now at all. Just listen to the music for a moment. And we're going to pray. We're going to spend the time in prayer as we come to the altar today and just kneel before Him and say, Lord, give me eyes of faith. Let's bow our heads. Heads are bowed. Come. And let's just, let's kneel. Let's gather around the church and let's be a praying church. And let's seek God today. And let's have eyes of faith and say, Father, Lord, we've been singing about being set free. And maybe it's possible that somebody here today needs to be set free. It's possible that there's a young man right now that's been struggling with something. A temptation that's, that's present in their life through their eyes. And they realize that, that it's through the eyes that God sees our soul. And what we feed to ourselves and what we allow to come into our mind affects us. And Lord, it's possible that this morning that we need to make sure that that our eyes are pure. And so, Father, I pray that you'd speak to that one right now that is saying, God, help me to have pure eyes. Would you come right now? Guys, maybe the Lord's speaking to you, men, and you're saying, Lord, give me pure eyes right now. Maybe somebody needs to pray that the Lord would give you pure eyes, that you would be set free of whatever it is that you've been walking with, and you need God to help you with that. Won't you come? Let's just come to the altar, and we have chairs up here in front. You can come and kneel at the chairs in the front. Unless our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody's judging, nobody's looking, but we're just saying, Lord, I need eyes of faith right now. I want to I be all that you've called me to. Help me to be pure, Father. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be what it is that you've called me to. Help me to lift up Jesus in my life, Lord. Help me to glorify you, Father, as we respond in faith this morning. As you purify us and you make us like you, Jesus. Give us eyes of faith. Lord, help us to, Lord, just to be set free of whatever it is that we need to be set free of. Somebody else, the Lord is speaking to you. And you're saying, Lord, I need your help right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. And you're saying, Lord, I want to be obedient right now. Just lift your hand if you're praying that way. Saying, Lord, I need your help. Just lift your hand out there uh, where you're standing by your chair. If you're saying, Lord, I need your help, just lift your hand. He'll, he'll respond to you right now. Thank you, Father. God bless you. Thank you, Father. Lord, I need your help right now. Jesus, I need your help. Amen. You never know what the Lord wants to do. I believe that the Lord is speaking to our young people. He's speaking to our youth. And I believe that God, He's involved here. God is engaged. He's speaking and He's a part of your life men and husbands and fathers he's speaking to you thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for hearing our prayers this morning and thank you Father in heaven for this opportunity that we have for you to build up our faith and Father it's not anything that we're doing or anything that we can muster or anything that's even in our control but Father we just come humbly before you and we, we submit our lives to you and we submit our church to you that we would we would glorify you in all of our behaviors. Help us, Father, not to be judgmental. Help us, Father, Lord, to be holy like you are holy. And help us, Lord Jesus, to be like you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for that. 
Oh, Father in heaven, we just come before you right now. And we pray that we would have eyes of faith this morning. That you're lifted. You're glorified as we worship and as we sing together. So, Father, thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you for hearing our prayers right now, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the work you've started in us right now. The work you're bringing to completion. So we ask these things. I want to invite us just to continue to kneel. Pray as long as you need to pray. Just be, be in the presence of God. Just pray as long as you need to pray. I'm going to invite our servers to come, those that are going to serve our, our sacrament. I'm going to invite them to come and stand in place. And as you're done praying and you want to come and partake of the bread of life that represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for you on Calvary, that you might have everlasting life. The body of Christ was the last, that was the last sacrifice. He was the lamb that was slain for all of mankind. And in this last sacrifice, there's no need for any more because Jesus Christ, he was the end of it. And now there's this new covenant that we have that is called grace. In the juice, it represents, of course, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for you. You will receive that. You will receive that. Preserve your blameless before the Lord as you partake of His holy blood this morning. Worship Jesus in that. Church, come together at this table. And by the way, I was reminded this week that when we come to the table, we come as one. We come as a united body of Christ in agreement that this is what we believe, that this is our faith. And so we come together as one and we worship Jesus as one body, as one church united in Christ. So let's worship.